Hello, my name is Douglas Raymond Hawkins, and you're listening to the podcast Relating in Love. Welcome to episode number 22, Joy Conclusion. This episode will continue to explore the futility of worry, look at a few more roadblocks to joy, and the great secret of having an attitude of gratitude. But first, as always, this episode's first two quotes. Author, disability rights advocate, and political activist Helen Keller said, your success and happiness lies in you. Resolve to keep happy, and your joy and you shall form an invincible host against difficulties. And the Buddha said, we are shaped by our thoughts. We become what we think. When the mind is pure, joy follows like a shadow that never leaves, end quote. One of our most profound but overlooked blessings in this life is that we don't have the power to see into the future. I can come pretty close to what some of you were thinking when you heard that statement. Some of you were probably thinking that you would love to see into the future. You would know the stock market before anyone else, and you would get rich from betting sport matches. If that's all you want out of life, then you may most likely be right. But the rest of us love the wonder and delight of surprises. Think about it for a moment. Do you want to remove the thrill from life? Now, I realize that you would probably be rich and powerful, but where would the fun be? No, there's definitely a profound blessing in not being able to see the future. The problem with worry is found when we are not satisfied with our inability to see the future and choose to see bad things happening. Worry is not only a direct enemy to joy, but also a solid drain on our physical and psychological energy. Worrying is sapping energy that could be used for positive things. And why would we be willing to give up such precious energy, especially when we understand how difficult our pathway can be at times on something as useless as worry? My dad was one of the most colorful men I had ever known when it came to his sayings. Among his treasure trove of sayings is one about worry that I think worth repeating. He would tell me, son, worry's like a rocking chair. It gives you something to do, but it doesn't take you anywhere. That's grand and so true. So why would we give away such a precious commodity on such an unworthy task? We can choose to go through life any way that we want. We can go through life seeing all the wonder and beauty that exists, or we can go through life pondering its misery. We can choose to be masters of time or allow time to have dominion. But whatever you choose to do, please, please choose to live right now in the present. Don't put things off until tomorrow. There might not be one. How many vacations have we delayed until tomorrow because we had too much work to do? How many times have we ignored the whisper of joy because we were busy doing something else? How many times have we put off making that phone call to a friend just to tell them what we think of them because we figured they'd always be there? Live in the now, right now. Hopefully you've listened to the episode regarding choices. Well, here's one of the most important choices that you'll ever make in your life. Choose to appreciate the now and not let it be polluted by the fears and worries about tomorrow and regrets about yesterday. 
I would be the first to stress the importance of long-term goals. As a matter of fact, I have in one of my previous episodes. But if you're planning your life in the future to the exclusion of the present, then you're defeating the very purpose that we make goals, and that is to enjoy the present. Yes, as we mature, we learn to delay gratification. But the reason that we do is we have learned that by doing so, we we gain greater joy. We put off eating our dessert until after we eat our vegetables because we enjoy life to a much greater extent when we have the good health that comes from eating what's good for us. We get out of bed in the morning and go to work when it's the last thing we want to do because we have learned that we enjoy having a nice place to live that comes from the paycheck that our job gives us. True joy exists in seeing each day as special, special enough to make our long-term plans to make our next day a joy to be in. Make the dedicated choice to make right now the most important time and all other times to serve the one that you're living in. No matter what the future brings, make sure you appreciate the moment. Another roadblock to joy is stress. Stress is the intangible partner of progress and is not innately a joy kill. The problem with stress comes in when we allow so much stress into our life that it chokes our joy. Stress defined here as the normal internal psychological mechanism that adapts us to change we all feel at one time or another. The more demanding life becomes, the more stressed we become in our attempt to keep up the pace. Sources of stress are everywhere. The unique problems of our age seem designed to create and almost force us to live in a state of stress and tension. Many personal relationships are laden with stress. Although affirming relationships are probably the single best protector against stress-induced damage, we live in an impersonal world. Certain personalities, especially in the corporate world, contribute to the stress of everyone they encounter. Type A personalities are considered driven by a need to control others. Aggressive and competitive by nature, they exhibit a need to win in everything they do and show a tendency towards self-destruction. These time-pressured individuals who do not enjoy vacations are carburetors set on high, ready to surge into overdrive at the slightest provocation. This lifestyle often causes varied health problems, including the loss of joy. Our progressive modern age overstimulates us, and we pay a price physically and psychologically. The major systems of the body, heart, brain, nervous system, liver, and immune system are on a constant standby to adapt to change. The next roadblock to joy is the inability to transcend regrets. We all have regrets to some extent or another, but when we allow them to stop us from experiencing joy in the present, this is the inability to get past them. Negative mental images will always act like a wall keeping out joy, whether these mental images are worries about the future or regrets about the past. Genuine joy is experienced in the present in reward to how we are living our lives right now. The next roadblock is guilt. Held long enough and deeply enough, guilt contaminates our emotions and undermines our resolve. Ultimately, development ceases and a descending spiral begins to accelerate. 
a difficulty we have in resolving guilt is that we don't understand what it is. That statement may seem strange because almost all of us understand that guilt means we have done something wrong. That's true. A rose is a rose, right? Yet, stop and think about it for a minute. Just as there are many variations of roses, there are different kinds of guilt as well. Here is where we must begin to understand why we have such problems handling guilt. Until we are able to differentiate between the various types and sources of guilt, it is impossible to find the freedom to live in joy. There are basically three types of guilt, civil, psychological, and true. Let's take a deeper insight into each one of these. Civil guilt is the outcome of violating civil law. When we exceed the speed limit or fail to report a certain amount of income on our taxes, we are guilty of breaking the laws of the land. We may not feel guilty, but that doesn't change a thing. Civil guilt is an objective fact. It is not based on feelings. When we break the law, we are guilty whether we know it or not, whether we admit it or not, or whether we are caught or not. The next one is the psychological guilt. This is the guilt we feel, and it's a real joy kill. It results from our upbringing. This type of guilt is not necessarily linked to the first one. Oftentimes, it isn't linked to anything real. It is perceived guilt. It is possible to assume guilt because of something that happened to us as children and carried into adulthood, never realizing that we are carrying a burden that doesn't belong on our shoulders. I love what my friend says about this type of guilt. He says that his arms are too weak to carry emotional bags that don't belong to him. These bags have labels on them that indicate such things as mother and daddy got divorced because I did such and such, or Uncle Pete wouldn't have abused me if I hadn't such and such. Psychological guilt is usually destructive because it isn't attached to anything genuine and is therefore impossible to resolve or almost impossible to resolve. The next is true guilt. True guilt is real guilt that leads to constructive sorrow. Constructive sorrow is the only response to wrongdoing that produces lasting change for the right reasons. It doesn't incorporate the feeling of self-condemnation or psychological guilt. True guilt is healthy because it is our cue that we have done something wrong and need to take corrective action to resolve the situation. With, the, with these three types of guilt in mind, we can see why we live in a society that depends on tranquilizers, alcohol, sex, and work to divert attention from what seemingly is an impossible load to bear. The effects of guilt are numerous. The guilty individual gives up entirely or resorts to methods of escape. Many people handle guilt through the following attitudes. I give up. I'll show you. I'm not that bad. The first one is I give up. And it's one of the easiest ways to deal with guilt and one of the most dangerous. It can lead to depression, feelings of worthlessness and help, hopelessness. If not dealt with, it can result in suicide. For some, suicide seems the only way out from under their guilt. I'll show you is grounded in anger about being caught. We've seen this type of response, for example, when a child is reprimanded for doing something he or she knows is wrong 
or the employee is scolded for cheating on his or her time card and secretly vows to show them by sabotaging the morale of the office through rumors and false accusations. The I'll show you response is usually triggered when a person knows he or she is guilty, but they don't want to face the consequences. The I'm not that bad response is deadly because of the denial involved. On more than one occasion, I've seen people try to make themselves look good by comparing what he or she's done to what someone else has done. For example, a person cheats on income tax returns and then rationalize it by saying, well, what I did didn't hurt anyone. Look at the guy on trial for killing his wife. At least what I did didn't hurt anybody. The effects of guilt are endless. Feelings of rejection projection of feelings onto other people, the inability to say no, depression, anxiety, obsessive compulsive behavior, blame shifting, addictions, etc. Oh, is it overkill to say that experiencing joy is impossible when all this is going on? Another roadblock is greed. Greed is a trap that ensnares way too many people. Greed is like a prison that locks us in and others out. What begins as an exercise of our freedom, how we choose to spend our money, time, or talent can grow into selfishness to the point that we lose freedom and joy. Greed may begin innocently enough. We think that because we have certain assets or assets, we are entitled to use our finances as we choose. Eventually, We fall into the trap of not being satisfied no matter how much we have, leaving us unfulfilled. Desires and ambitions are not unhealthy in themselves, but become so when they become so strong that they choke out our joy. The next roadblock is refusal to have fun. That's right, I said fun. When was the last time you allowed yourself to have simple fun? Has it been so long that you have forgotten what it feels like or tragically lost sight of? Maybe you've never learned how to have genuine fun along the pathway that you've traveled so far, or maybe you've been taught that fun is something that can be used against you. Some parents think that it is a good thing to punish their child by holding back the things that the child finds to be fun. Suppose the child takes great delight in going to an amusement park and they behave in a way that is unacceptable in that household. Well, if the parents decide to punish this child by keeping the child away from the amusement park, it is only natural for the child to recognize that the things he holds as fun will be used against him or her. Therefore, the child would decide to forego anything that might be held against him or her. We're adults now. And no one is going to withhold our fun from us as long as it's legal so we can learn to have fun again. I can't tell you what fun is because it is so highly individualistic. You'll have to learn this for yourself. I can tell you, however, that having fun is critical to joy. What makes you feel young while engaged in it? What makes you laugh? I love riding roller coasters and taking long walks. What does it for you? The next roadblock is taking for granted what we do have. This one has the following section all to itself. 
That's how important I believe it is. This is counting our blessings. The reason that some phrases are called truisms is that they are so obviously true and because they are so commonplace, they are often disregarded. This is unfortunate since there are some valuable lessons to be learned from these truths. For example, there's an old saying, count your blessings. Not a very, not a very original idea, right? So how come so many people forfeit their joy because they don't do such a simple thing? I've discovered that one of the surest and easiest ways of maintaining my joy is to stop and count my blessings. This is something that I do my best to do on a regular, timely basis. I've also discovered that focusing on what I do have rather than what I don't is a sure fire way to beat depression. It is so simple to overlook our blessings and to focus on the petty troubles in our day-to-day -day existence. It is so simple to overlook our blessings and to focus on the petty troubles in our day-to-day -day existence or the things we wished we had. Why is it that a pessimist isn't being negative, but realistic? And why is it that an optimist isn't realistic, but any number of things, including an idealist, a Pollyanna, a romantic, unrealistic, or a fool? Let me clear something up right here and now. Anyone can call me anything they want, but it is still my choice to see that glass as half full. That glass of water is no less realistically full than empty. The only difference is that one view will bring joy while the other most likely despair. I will honestly admit that on my own, I don't always remember to count my blessings. And this is why I've had to find ways to remind myself. One way that I've discovered has a strong impact in aiding me to remember is to review my journal. This allows me to focus on the things that I have to be grateful for. There's an acronym that's been around the business world for some time now and has been adapted, adopted by 12-step recovery programs. This acronym is K-I-S-S, -S, and it stands for Keep It Simple Stupid. The reason I mention it is that it is a good idea to remember that it is the simple things we should keep in mind as well as the elaborate. When many of us think about our blessings, the thing that usually comes to mind are the house, car, big promotion, etc. We forget the simple blessings. We tend to overlook things like a letter or a phone call from someone we really like, a friendly smile from a store clerk, the fact that we have a dry, warm place to live. One item that I have on my gratitude list is that I'm not locked up. Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, we pray for big things and forget to give thanks for the ordinary, small, yet hardly insignificant gifts. End quote. Bottom line time. You can listen to this episode 1,000 times in a row, and it will do you very little good if that's all you do. So grab your journal and begin jotting down all the things that you have to be grateful for. You might begin with such things as your ability to listen to these words and your ability to write down what you're grateful for. Then you can jot down things such as your health, 
In another episode, I discuss my wife and her health problems. Do you want to hear something great? She puts her health at the top of her gratitude list. Can you guess why she can do that? That's right. She can do that because she doesn't allow what she can't have to interfere with what she does have. Bowyer Linton said, a fresh mind keeps the body fresh. Take in the ideas of the day, drain off those of yesterday. As to the morrow, time enough will consider it when it becomes today. I wanna tell you something, joy can be learned. Isn't that great news? Joy can be learned. If we wanted to operate a computer on an intricate scale, or if we wanted to fix an outboard motor, how would we go about it? Would we simply go about it figuring that it should be innate knowledge and then wonder why we weren't getting anywhere? No, any intelligent person would set about such an operation by learning as much as he could about these things before starting and not quit simply because it does not come naturally. If we operate in this way when it comes to other mechanisms, why do so? Many of us go through life acting as if joy were an innate knowledge that we're supposed to come alive simply because we wish it so. And because joy doesn't behave in this way, we exile it to the land of myth and fable. There are others who think it will simply come to them. So they wait. Most of them wait all of their lives. German inventor Frederick Koenig said, happiness doesn't come as a result of getting something we don't have, but rather of recognizing and appreciating what we do have. So let's look at some practical suggestions for claiming our joy. The following five suggestions will help you internalize some of the previous points. One, find a quote piece of philosophy or something else that reminds you of what joy is all about and memorize and meditate on it. This episode is chock full of good examples. Two, when you begin to realize that your joy is fleeing, refuse to blame your circumstances. Take responsibility for your feelings. Three, admit at least to yourself that you have allowed your joy to become too attached to your circumstances. Four, distinguish between what you need and what you want. Five, be grateful for having your needs met. Henry Van Dyke said, happiness is inward and not outward. And so it does not depend on what we have, but on what we are, end quote. Time for the final thought. Joy is a totally effortless reaction when everything is going well, when we are with people we love, when we encounter victory at our place of employment, as we partake and celebrate moments of splendor in music or art, as our bodies glow with strength, as the treasure chest of life is full. But what about when life pretty much sucks? Conditions may at times be anything but favorable to joy. These conditions may not be a catastrophe that attempts to rob us of our, of our joy. It has been my experience that people usually come through a catastrophe like true champs. It is 
the little day-to-day stresses that rob us of our joy. We almost always give it away in small amounts at a time until before we even realize it, it's gone. This is why it is so vital that we keep a running list of gratitude and review it on a timely and regular basis. Well, that's it for now. Thank you very much for joining me. And please join me next Tuesday when we'll be learning how to be self-empowered on our pathway to love. Remember, if you have any questions or comments, you can email me at loveintent at comcast.net. And if you know anyone who could benefit from this podcast, please love them enough to have them listen to it. Talk to you then. And remember, make your life a loving one.